0: Hey there and welcome to queer i am lord a brand new show where two or more gather in god's name to kiki i like to say i'm jorge olivares of HeyJorge.com, and today i'm joined by somebody who i could honestly have conversations with for hours upon hours upon hours because this person makes me think in ways that i've never allowed myself to think It allowed me to think about stuff with regards to religion with regards to identity and sexuality and how all of this is just one big journey. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes there's ups, sometimes there's downs, but at the heart of it is there's connections and there's relationships and friendships that we develop. And I'm very happy to say that Alden Golab is one of my friends and a close friend at that. And somebody who, when you talk about kind of what this journey can look like, Alden's journey is very different from my own. And I'm very glad that they've been, open in a variety of different formats to talk about their story. Um, But I wanted to bring Alden onto the show to talk about one particular aspect of the journey, because I love that Alden is very open about their non-binary identity, and especially at a time when we need to be focused on embracing others who are looking to be a part of the church and embracing other stories that we don't quite get a chance to hear. I love that Alden is very much open to having their story be included in that mix. So Alden, thank you so much for joining me and answering the call every time I text, I'm like, Alden, let's talk. (laughs) Um, So thank you for joining me to talk again uh, for the show.
1: I'm absolutely happy to. And if you want to give that introduction anytime, like, you know, by text or whatever, just, it fills my heart with such warmth. I love being yeah.
0: here. <laughs> well, I think this is, I'm glad you say this about kind of the warmth that, that you get, because I I think that we as queer people try to reach out to others who give us that warmth. And you're very much one of those people for me, where you always want to find whether I mean let's take the Catholic part out for right now when you're queer and you're scared about making sure you're not alone making sure there are others who are like you like you really want to reach out to the people who get it and I love that you're one of those people who just gets it at least for me and so I I want to talk about weirdly enough this idea of the non-binary space in which you occupy today because I I love and again, I say this as somebody who's cisgender, identifies as male, uses he, him pronouns, but it appears from the outside looking in that the non-binary community is becoming more vocal, is growing in ways that I am very happy to see. Like, are you are you able to find that warmth with others who have at least that similarity to
1: you? Yeah, that's that's a good question. You know, I think one of the things that's been really interesting, so I, I came out as non-binary oh, back in 2019. So it's really new for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is something I'm still working through, something I'm still processing. Um, and you know, like, I didn't expect to be here at all. <laughs> you know, like, I, This is not like, I'm not one of those stories where like, you know, when I was five, I felt like I wasn't a boy or a girl. It's just sort of like, no, I just had no idea what the fuck was going on. Um, but I think, it's hard, you know, I I, I have a couple of non-binary friends who, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat close with, but it's been difficult in COVID, especially and during the pandemic of like trying to connect with anyone. Um, some of them have left the city, others are on like, you know, a tighter lockdown than, than my partner and I are. And so, you know, it winds up being hard to really find that community, but in short, yes, yes. I found some people in my life who can sort of share the weirdness of this sort of liminal space of, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and it's special because I think, you know, I, I like to say that my coming out as non-binary, realizing that, you know, I'm part of the transgender community was sort of this like moment of waking up in the middle of the woods, and you know, the, the birds are singing, and just like, wow, this is beautiful. Hold on, where the fuck am I? <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I uh-oh. uh oh, where? How do I? Where do I go from here? Um, and I love, I, I you know, I was in a support group for a while. And one of my 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 trans, the other trans members of the group said, uh, "Except you've been in the fourth the entire time, right?" Mm. Um, and I, I think like you yeah. know, finding spaces where you can find warmth, find people who kind of get the weirdness and the liminal space is so important. Um, but it is really hard and it's hard for me sometimes i feel so so alone in that journey um but it, it it's it's a it's a good one to be on i think so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah for sure i i think how how apt about this idea of weirdness and queer right like that when we are younger however we choose to identify with any of the you know letters of the lgbtq acronym like we always feel like we're weird because we are constantly comparing ourselves to the quote unquote, you know, straight world that's out there, that we are meant to somehow adhere to all of the things that have been set up, that set up before us to, to replicate that. And I don't think that feeling of weirdness as, as as sure as I am about my sexuality, like I have no qualms or no issues with my gayness, but I still feel weird. But I think that's, beautiful. Like, I think there's something really special about kind of living in that weirdness and kind of meeting other weird people. So that way, when we look at each other, it's like, all right, weirdo, like we we speak at least an element of the same language. Um, and I think that's where the warmth lies. Maybe the warmth lies in the weirdness.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> weird, weird warmness. <laughs> weird (laughs) word. i
0: i want to bring in because and we don't have to refer to your partner by name even though i love your partner very deeply um but the thing that i always loved about seeing you and your partner at church was the fact that that happened was the fact that you know each of you have come to your relationship with the church in your own unique way but somehow that that serves as a wonderful connector between the two of you is to see you two together and expressing that aspect of your lives together. Because I think one of the, the things, at least for me, and maybe we can talk about it for your particular case, like I always knew that I wanted somebody who at least respected my Catholic, my, my, Catholic, my Catholic background. Um, and thankfully, I found somebody who was also Catholic. I can imagine like the joys and the excitement of like, Oh my God, you're also Catholic. Like, let's make this happen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, well, when Justin and I met, I was not Catholic yet. So that's, that's that's right. Yeah. In and of itself. Um, you know, so I, I was sort of on my journey towards becoming Catholic at that point, but we actually met at a Methodist church in Chicago. Um, which also just happened to have like a huge queer congregation, and you know, had two queer pastors. Um, and yeah, it's it's been really wonderful. I mean, we're celebrating our ten year anniversary this year, which is just mind. That's insane. You know? <laughs> Especially oh. in the gay community. Um, but you know, like it's it's been such such a beautiful journey with him, and I don't know, like I I couldn't have imagined the past ten years and, and with anyone else, and I think what's so special about our relationship is is that sense of like we are queer we're we're weird um you know i'm on this journey with my gender um we're both on this journey with our sexuality both of us had thought about becoming pastors um at one point or another uh but for him and for me you know like we have like the shared same like favorite theologians like we we enjoy the same speakers and writers um you know, and I think there is such this deep shared foundation in sort of how we understand the world that like it helps us weather so much stuff. And you know, I wouldn't be able to move forward in my faith life without the same kind of sort of prodding and and encouragement from him that I hope he receives from me. Um, and you know, I, I think there's there's a really beautiful aspect of that in our relationship where you know we talk about partnership and marriage as a as a sacrament right as something mm-hmm. that sort of deep mystery that pulls us closer to who God is and i I couldn't imagine myself being anywhere near as close to God as I am now without Justin in my life and um, the ways in which he pushes me forward in that relationship, the way that he supports it and the way that he forces me to act more christ-like, and the way that I force him to ask more to act more Christ-like, right? Like the, the graces we have to give one another, um, and the graces we have to receive. Um, there's just so much of that in our in our relationship. And it's just, it's, it's beautiful. I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: I love and I'm glad that you kind of put it in those terms because I've never assessed this idea that my partner or anybody who's in my life that somehow that relationship is Christ-like or making me more Christ-like or bringing me closer to God, even though that actually happens. I think I'd never kind of put those two things together. Um, I'm surprised that I completely forgot about your conversion to Catholicism. (laughs) I have heard this story and I know this story quite well, Um, but kind of to your own comfort level, if you can kind of share with uh, everybody what that conversion process looked like. Because I love that for a lot of the people that I'm having conversations with for this show, they converted to Catholicism as opposed to me who was born into this religion that I'm just like, okay, I'll stick around.
1: Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, It's a long journey. Uh, You know, I think to give you sort of the cliff notes, you know, like I, I grew up, in a family that was part of a congregational church in Connecticut which is like uh now as a branch of the church of uh, what is it the United Church of Christ the UCC um so it's a Protestant denomination with like you know uh, reformed roots but like the UCC is, is a very progressive denomination um, and my dad thought it was too progressive for his liking <laughs> and so we left it we joined an evangelical church uh my mom was like you know peace bye I'm, I'm not doing this religion thing with you anymore And, you know, eventually my dad stopped attending that church as well, um, but I I didn't stop. Uh, I kept going. And um, I was an evangelical for about eight or nine years, give or take, you know, a month or two. Um, I went through orientation change therapy during that time, so I tried to become a straight man. Um, And then I came out when I first, first moved to Chicago right after college. And I had gone to school at Notre Dame and... I was kind of like a big protestant on campus at notre dame i, I led like our interdenominational ministry like i was the one that campus ministry called up when they're like we got a protestant here that's like serious and wants to like <laughs> so like i would do the like, campus tours for like incoming protestant evangelical students um, and be like it's okay the catholics are all right um <laughs> but you know i think for me like there was something so special about being at notre dame and I, I, like many other queer Notre Dame graduates, look back with sort of like this, like, there's this sort of duality that I understand my time at Notre Dame with the sort of the the beauty of the church and the church life that was there, but also like how difficult it was to be queer and to be closeted, um, especially back in, you know, 2006 when I was there. Um, So I came out, uh, I abandoned religion altogether, (laughs) and then... (laughs) Uh, Like, like, like most, you know, young Christians when they come out and then I I don't know, like, I just felt, felt like I needed something. And um, I decided that I wanted my return to Christianity to be something that came from where the growth that I had done as a queer person, and not from a place of, I need this, I want this, I'm going to take it. Um, And really looking for a place where I was doing the work of like, what does church mean to me now, as someone who's queer, and what does my reentry look like? <laughs> you know, like uh-huh. as I'm coming back to land on this weird cl- kind of Christianity as, as someone who's been changed by their time at you know gay bars, making out with random men. How how has this changed? And and I realized I wanted something more sensual, something that was more focused on the body, that was more um, more tangible than the faith that I'd grown up with and the faith that I'd you know, gone through in college. And in the Catholic church, I really found something where the things in our lives, the, the different experiences we have, the rituals we have, the 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 smells, and the, the, the touch and the look and the feel, all of those things are just so important for how we understand who we are in relation to the divine and who we are in relation to one another. Um, And I was like, Oh, this is right. This is, this is how I understand my world, because I realized when I came out, you know, so much of my life had been spent in my brain. Um, You know, I, I trained with some of the greatest theologians at Notre Dame and philosophers at Notre Dame and, um, you know, I I planned to become like a a full time pastor, you know, writing books and doing speeches and sermons. uh, What I was missing was just like touching someone's body. Of, of the feeling of connection. And I don't know, there's just something so beautiful about having to take Christ's body into your own um, and the, the queerness of that. Um, but then also, you know, the, the importance of of that that act and the act repeated over and over and over again, right? Um, I don't know, I just, I fell in love with the Catholic Church and so I converted in 2015. Um, so it's been about six years now um and i don't know it feels weird to say i'm a queer catholic sometimes but i don't know like i i have trouble conveying like sort of this deep sense of like no like i think the catholic church is like super queer um and i love it oh i mean walk into (laughs) any cathedral
0: and it is drama like Mm -hmm. it just and then you have the men in dresses trying to tell us what to do, like. There's, there's so many, and, and, I, and I love that you said about, um, because I've had a conversation with this with a mutual friend of ours from the organization where we know each other from, um, talking about the queerness aspect of the Eucharist and taking the body of Christ and all of it all put together. It's just so queer. And I think it's it so is. beautiful. Um, I love that you talked about the kind of the evolution of our association with the church and like what the church needs to be for us. Because again, as somebody who grew up in the church and always kind of realizing that it was going to have a set role in my life, it only was maybe about five or six years ago when I was in my late 20s where I recognized like, the church doesn't have to look that way to me anymore. I am in complete control over not only how the church looks like to me, the role I want to have in said church and whether or not I don't want to be with that church. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm glad that you talked about that because I think that's one of the beautiful parts of being a a self-assured queer person is we make these decisions. We make these decisions about the nature of the relationships we have with people and things, um, the role we want to have in these relationships and when we need to sever ties because it's just not right. And sometimes it's just not right. Um, mm-hmm. So let's talk about kind of that part of it now. You know, six years into your conversion, um, exploring a different side of your queer identity. What does the evolution of your association with the church look
1: like? Oh my gosh, <sighs> I don't know. It's it's funny. I it's still growing and it's still changing. And you know, I I think it's it's interesting. You know um talking about sort of the the corporal body and you know the body of christ one of the things i think a lot about in terms of like as a queer person of being in the church is you know we we have sort of this image from the gospels um and from and that's gospels from from the the writings of the epistles um you know of of the 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 body of christ is made up of many members right and so we're each like a different part of the body um Mm -hmm. And I was in a study in this Catholic group that we're both part of, um, and we were examining that passage and we we're talking about it. And everyone just assumed that, like, you know, the the Pope and the Vatican was somewhere like headwise, right? Like in the brain, maybe. Like maybe the eyes. Um, and I was like, no, 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 no. The Vatican is like the pinky toe, y'all. Like, <laughs> we are leading the body. Um, oh. And and I, I always want to push this with, with Catholics because I think like as someone who's come outside of from outside of the church, right? I I have a respect for the tradition, obviously. Like, you know, I've read most of the doctors of the faith <laughs> in their entirety, uh, sometimes in like, you know, the you know, the, the original Latin or Greek. But like it's really, you know, the sense of the church is often led by the people who are on the exterior. Uh, the outside, and we come to acknowledging who Christ was. Christ was the one who traded places with the leper, who because he brought the leper into the community, um, brought them who were outside of the community, he couldn't enter in anymore. Um, the, the crowds were too large, they say. And it's just sort of this sense of like, when we're part of the church, we have to understand a relation to, to it as sort of this, this deep mutuality of we are part of this body whether they like it or not um and you know what like there's there's going to be contention it's it is a community um definitions are contended uh you know doctrine and theology is contended it's it's not it's not settled um and when we start to encounter resistance within the church which we always will because we're queer we're weird we're on the edges you know um it's going to take some work and it's going to take time, but the church has never been without contention. It's um, you know, like, true. You only have to read a history book about the Catholic church to understand that it's like <laughs> full of schism. Um, like, you know, the, the number of quarrels that I'm sure break out in the Vatican between, you know, those 80 year old men. Um, it's just, it's, it's part of the nature of church to have to struggle, to conflict, to argue. And that's okay, but it needs to come from a place of self assurance that yes, I am Catholic. Yes, I'm queer. I'm a part of this body. And the way that God has revealed God's self to me in my world is real. Um, it's there. Mm -hmm. So let's start from there.
0: Let's talk about God's self a little bit, because would you say that God is the greatest non-binary figure that we can have right now?
1: <laughs> Ooh, girl, have you been reading my journal? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I, I do want to kind of put a little
0: footnote on this because uh, particularly with the LGBTQ Catholic ministry that Alden and I are a part of, there has been a bit of a concerted effort to start using gender-neutral pronouns for God. Um, Because as we know in the tradition, it's always he, him, his pronouns for God. But when you think about it, and I had this conversation with somebody else for the show about God's pronoun is God. There is no other comparison. But as somebody who is, we're trying to find the warmth of the other non-binary folks is, do you find warmth with God? Because God, if I'm looking at it, is non-binary.
1: I'm so glad you brought this up. You know, um, there is this moment at St. Paul's uh, where we we both attend church um, or have attended in the past. You're you're no longer in New York Um, and actually no longer attend there either. But anyway, I was at St. Paul's in Manhattan (laughs) um, and I don't know what week it was. I have no idea what the homily was, Um, but I remember sitting there and it was was deep in my emotions. I had just told Justin, um, my partner, that I was non-binary. Um, I just sort of disclosed that to him. And I was really sort of like wondering like, what is my place here in the church? Um, Does this mean that I have to leave? Like, this is actually a harder label to have a Catholic church than just being gay. I mean, you've got gay priests, you don't have non-binary priests. And as I was sitting there, I had sort of this moment of just, being filled with a sense of joy and 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 hope and just three words came to me which was um, they who is right we talk about she who is uh, elizabeth johnson's famous book of theology talking about you know sort of the feminine within the divine um who's a sister who teaches at fordham um but we don't talk about they who is a god who represents Sort of something beyond what these sort of human constructions on gender are. Um, who are they? Who are they that gave birth to both men and women? Um, and to everything in between, everything outside of that, everything around it. Um, that infuses both with divinity. Um, and that's that's a really deep question. Um, and I've talked to you about this uh, essay before, it's, it's, it's by a theologian named Ken Rose, and he goes through sort of Genesis, specifically the, the second creation story in Genesis, um, where you know we have the creation of woman from, from Adam's rib. And he kind of goes through and he's thinking about like, well, so when it was just God and Adam, um, and the, he, he means like the Hebrew word Adam, so human in the garden, who was that? Who was that person from whom woman was made? Um, who was it that was split? What what does that mean? Um, and I like to say that there are cracks in the foundation of Christianity where I find myself. And this is one of those cracks where it's just sort of like, there is this moment in sort of the, the understanding of the creation of the world where there was just God and one person and that God was endowed with the fullness of divinity. And that person was then made into two people who we now view as male and female. Huh, like that's just, that's interesting, right? And if we start to think about that, you know, like maybe they were intersex, maybe they had all the chromosomes. Can you still hear me? (laughs) 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 The trouble with Zoom, right? (laughs) You know, maybe maybe they had no chromosomes. It was completely different, different, you know, experiment whatsoever. But when you start to consider that, it's like maybe the fullness of God is really something that we haven't considered fully yet. Um, maybe the fullness of God requires that we start thinking outside of these sort of gendered boxes that we've always thought in. Um, so when I had that moment in church, where was just sort of like, oh my gosh they who is. This is how I need to understand God now. It was just sort of like fireworks going off in my brain. (laughs) You know, it it was a moment where I realized, like, this is what we've been thinking and searching for for so long, especially in the Catholic Church, where gender roles are so hard for us to kind of grasp and mm-hmm. think about and deal with and it's it's such a huge part of the conversation now with the, you know the, the amazonian synod and the discussion of women deacons where we are now we need to start thinking about like how, why, why are we talking about men and women in the same terms that you know have been around since attic greek <laughs> right? you know uh these, these these are our conceptions of the family that are rooted in this this grecian oral tradition Um, from thousands and thousands of years ago. We have most surely gone beyond this in our understanding of of what gender means. Um, Why can't we start thinking about it now? Um, Why can't we start debating it now? Why can't we start contending with this notion that perhaps God is not just male, perhaps Jesus is not just male, and perhaps that being Christ-like is not just being male-like.
0: I, I mean, I brought up the whole idea of, of God possibly being non-binary and I said that as somebody who identifies as male, I want to hear from you about possibly other figures, other elements of the Catholic church, other Catholic figures that you think exist as, as non-binary or, or kind of have you help you to have those realizations you had during that moment in church.
1: Yeah, that's a hard one. Um, you know, one of the things I'm doing right now is really starting to look seriously through. I, if you can't tell, I'm very invested in the mystic tradition of the Catholic Church. Um, I've talked a lot about sacraments. I've talked about, you know, sort of these mystical experiences that I've had. Um, and starting to feel like maybe there are moments within sort of this mystical tradition, tradition that I can start drawing from. And I think one of the funny things, I, I was looking at um, some of the work on St. Teresa of Lassau, and sort of just how funny she talks about herself in these sort of self-deprecating terms as a woman who's unlearned, um, but she can speak with such authority uh, when it comes to matters of faith and her own experience, and you know her, her sort of uh, the the sort of ways in which God uh, expounded God's mysteries to her, and you start to see in sort of these threads, especially of sisters, um, where like. Ooh, this is, this woman's giving me some serious Jesus vibes right now. And Jesus vibes in the sense of like, she is is preaching some shit. Um, And, you know, I I especially find strength from women figures in the church myself, because I think, you know, in the tradition of the church being a male dominated institution, it was women who became more like men that were accepted, that were raised up as examples of virtue. and you have you have examples throughout Christian history and the saints of, of women, especially sisters who donned essentially men's clothes, not literally, but figuratively, sometimes literally. <laughs> <laughs> in, in order to be able to talk about things, of the divine in such a profound way that some of them became doctors of the church. Right. Um, not literal doctors, but at least uh, people who informed our understanding of what doctrine is and. You know, I, I think that's where I draw a lot of 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 hope and a lot of joy for myself. And I think too, like you know, <laughs> looking at you know Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, like those shoes, girl, like that those outfits, like that liturgy. I mean, like talk about feminine within the divine. Um, talk about the 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 divine sort of sense of of gifting and of 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 care um for for his church right um yeah like there are definite moments like that um and i, I think it's funny because i you know i i do like some of Benedict 16th writing even though like he has some of the strongest and harshest terms for for queers in the church um because like girl that, that stuff comes out like I see you. <laughs> Just <give it> time. <laughs> we will all be talking about this in several years we're like we don't
0: know so <laughs> uh, what was gonna happen with that um i i want to end by us well me asking you this particular question do you think god is weird
1: depends on what you mean by weird um in the sense that we view ourselves as normal yeah um but in the sense that we're normal i I don't think any of us are really that normal. Um, you know, we're all a little we're all a little queer. Um and I think it's important for us to understand that, you know, central truism that that God is beyond what we understand. Um and we're born into these norms of existence as parts of a society that's constructed in a particular way. Um we uh, understand ourselves as sexed before we inter- understand what sex means. <laughs> right? um, mm-hmm. You know, we we we're told when we look into the mirror, like, oh, that's a boy, or oh, that's a girl, or even like maybe in some progressive circles, that's just a person, and you get to determine what it means. But ultimately, we see and encounter ourselves through each other's eyes first and foremost, and these norms. These norms are things that are just sort of floating within our world that, that we understand from one another. And, you know, Aquinas talks a lot about the fact that we can't understand God except through allegory, right? That we can't understand God except through, you know, interpretation of the things around us that the point us towards what is divine. Um, you know, it's a very different understanding from Augustine and Plato, but we, we can get into that later. <laughs> <laughs> the point being, you know, God is so far beyond anything in our world Perhaps it is actually the stuff that breaks our norms, the stuff that tells us something's not right in the way that I understand the world as it is. Um, Maybe it's the things that sort of peer through these notions of what is normal that actually give us the closest hints of what the divine looks like. Um, And I always draw from the sense that, you know, Christ was a, a convict who was hung on a cross and that's the person we glorify every sunday. You know, when I when I'm taking Christ's body, it's the, the it's the it's the body of a convict. Um it's the body of someone who, you know, was dirty and bleeding and strung up on a cross, who was whipped and chained. Talk about breaking norms. Talk about weird, right? That's some weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> It is. Oh my God. Just that
0: visualization is so intense, but yet necessary to get this point across that it it's, it is weird. People who are on the outside looking in, look at us Catholics and like, they are some weird motherfuckers. And <laughs> a part of us kind of like relishes in that and like kind of swims in that and allows it to just be what it'll be.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I, I really, Back when I was in college, I had a lot of friends who were like in, trying to disabuse dis themselves sort of these notions of inherited Christianity, of an inherited uh, understandings of the world in order to be able to try to reorient themselves towards Christianity in a new way. Um, and I guess for me, that came from my first coming out, right, where it just broke me. And I was just like, I got to reconstruct this thing again. Um, and honestly, coming out as non-binary and and... and entering into my trans self has forced me to again (laughs) take everything and be like time to take an ax (laughs) to this and you know it's really beautiful if we can start to consider you know that as christians going to the boundaries going to the places that are outside of our communities going to the places where we would not otherwise deign to look except by the grace and commandment of god maybe those are the places where we begin to see precisely who God is. And how much more orthodox can you get than Jesus is the outsider, right? I mean, (laughs) look at that. Look at that. Look where we wound up.
0: (laughs) Look at where it all ended up going. Uh, That is so funny. Well, I wanna end by also giving you a chance, if you feel so called, and if you want to encounter other weirdos like ourselves on the internet, um, do you want to share your social media so that way people want to follow you and learn more about what you do or kind of your own musings of the world?
1: <laughs> yes. Um, you can follow me on at Alden Golab. That's A-L-D-E-N-G-O-L-A-B. Um, I mostly code but uh, mostly joke about queer stuff, um, also code stuff because I'm a software engineer in real life. Um, but occasionally <laughs> I delve into theology and most of the times it is at least queer. So, um, you know, find me there.
0: Well, my friend, peace be with you.
1: Peace be with you, too.